Hi. Close your eyes. It's time to discover what starting and growing your own business feels like. Whether your business is bed sheets or skincare or jewelry, Shopify's with you every step of the way. Hello. Now, open your eyes. Feel ready to start and grow your business with Shopify. You'll get the tools you need to nurture your growing business and feel the same satisfaction as listening to this ad. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Simply start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com/free22. shopify.com/free22. We're being watched. They're out to get us. They're out to get us to get things. They're in your homes, your schools, your churches. They're even in your hand right now. They're Ezra Miller. Oh, God, not that bad. (laughs) It's just big corporations and the government. Today, we're going to be talking about surveillance. I'm Emily. And I'm Evangelia. And welcome to What's Gonna Happen. So we're going to be splitting this concept up into three parts, surveillance state, surveillance capitalism, and surveillance culture. Personally, I'm sick of these slutty surveillance systems that just track everybody. I'm a high-value man, and Mm. I deserve a loyal, high-value surveillance system. Unfortunately, we are part of a constantly monitored neural network that capitalizes on our individuality complexes in a way that kind of negates the concept of individuality in an almost beautiful irony. But we'll get into that later. Emily, do you want to give us a brief idea of what exactly surveillance state means? Basically, it's the idea that the government is watching you. It's mm-hmm. no secret that the federal government taps our phone calls, tracks our internet searches, flies drones over our houses. So the surveillance state is the institution of being spied on by powers we cannot consent to in the name of our own protection? Well, when you put it that way, it sounds bleak. So... How did we become one nation united under Big Brother? Was it 9-11, the anthrax attacks, the rapid evolution of technology we've been witnessing? Yeah. Okay. Can you elaborate, please? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, the government spy on people is not new. In the 1970s, there was a series of illegal and covert projects conducted by the FBI called COINTELPRO, Mm. in which they would send undercover agents into left-wing groups to spy and disrupt these spaces to cause internal conflict. Sometimes they'd go as far as to disband groups. Honestly, they mainly spied on the Black Panthers and ultimately killed their leader, Fred Hampton. And you know how if you go into certain spaces on Twitter now, people will accuse other people of being FBI agents? Right. Like, nice try, FBI agent. You're not actually a 5'2 blonde Nazi girl, right? <laughs> Is that the form they usually take online? I'm 5'2 blonde Nazi girls? You know, that's what people think. I mean, shit, if she's 5'2. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, but they'll accuse people of being FBI agents on the internet because of co Like, you're a fucking fed. Yeah, like, you're a fed. That's this. That's the basis for that paranoia. Huh, okay. But isn't there always been, like, 
undercover. Like they didn't make that a thing. Underco- being undercover. No, they did not make being undercover a thing. So, but it's just like tightly aligned with internet culture because of the, like sneaking into left wing spaces. Yeah, it's just like any kind of political group, like a radical political group I in see. America, is going to be suspicious of this. Okay, cool, interesting. Well, um, not off to a great start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but so, but this isn't the first example of the government spying on local Americans using resources that had formerly been used to spy on a global political scale, or was this like the thing? Well, American government surveillance dates back to like wartime, like World War One, World War Two. General surveillance started in World War One, and then there was Project Shamrock at the end of World War Two. So, COINTELPRO. Not the first time anybody spied on anybody in America, but it Mm -hmm. was the last time it was illegal to spy on common Americans without a court order. In Mm. 1978, Congress passed FISA, which is the act that basically condones mass surveillance. Okay, so FBI agents were spying on everyone through their iPhones in the 70s, too. Yeah, their iPhones. I guess it's easier to do that now that iPhones have been invented, though. Right. That'll do it. That would do it. That would make it easier. This was all troubling then. No one wants to be surveilled, but because of technology like iPhones, it's way more pervasive now. So explain how all of this led to me getting targeted ads for lesbian dating sites. (laughs) Well, it started, as most things do, like my conception with (laughs) (laughs) 9-11. The implications of that are crazy. No, you guys, wait, did I ever tell you that my mom told me that her and my dad wanted to have me to make more Americans after (laughs) (laughs) 9-11? Holy shit. That is awesome. You are a direct action response to 9-11. And this is the American they created? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Al-Qaeda won. Al-Qaeda won. Oh my god, no, you never told me that. (laughs) Okay. She called me the day before my birthday last year to tell me this. I'm glad she finally told you. You're the American hero we've all been waiting for. Now that you know your true purpose, I hope you flourish. I'm Rambo. Oh my god, no. Okay, so so you were a response to 9-11, much like... Um, much like mass surveillance. And mass hysteria yes, as well. because after the attack... <laughs> much like mass hysteria. There was obviously a lot of mass hysteria. Hmm. A lot of which was fueled by racism and xenophobia. Like, everyone wanted a reason why this happened beyond it very coherently being explained by Osama bin Laden himself as an act of retribution against America as a consequence for the country that we live in has wreaked historically. It was much easier for patriotic Americans to blame terrorism on them being brown than it was for them to admit our country has done anything horrific enough to warrant that kind of a reaction. Exactly. And what do big governments like to do with scared masses? Oh, I know. Uh, Exploit them for personal gain. A plus. Thank you. So yeah, they were like, we can save you from scary Muslims. All you have to do is let us put up cameras that record everything you do, look through your bags and monitor your every action. And if we use any of it against you, it's because you probably deserved it. And thus, the Patriot Act was born. Mm -hmm. It's basically fees on crack. The Patriot Act gives the government permission to look at any and all forms of contact between Americans. The U.S. government is such a jealous bitch girlfriend. Like, chill, crazy. I want to gaslight her. 
<laughs> I just have, like, the feminine urge to gaslight America. To your point about the xenophobic reaction to 9-11, though, did you know that the NYPD conducted their own surveillance program over lo- local New York Muslims, unbeknownst to any other faction of the government? Every mosque within 100 miles of New York was under constant watch. They mapped neighborhoods Damn. whose demographics fell under, quote-unquote, ancestries of interest aka ancestries of interest middle eastern communities (laughs) that should never ever be a sentence used by the government ancestries of interest get uninterested there's never been a time (laughs) where a government has been interested in ancestries that it's went well yeah (laughs) they actually went as far as taking photos of license plates on cars Mm. belonging to mosque attenders and placing remote control cameras on light poles aimed at mosques so they were just watching so the nypd's pet project like was separate from any knowledge of the higher government. This was just them live streaming Muslim people for their own... For fun. For fun. Like, they really thought that this was, like... No other branch of government knew about it. Everyone's afraid of the federal government, but you're being way more heavily watched by your local government in the name of crime prevention. Yeah, and that's even scarier in a way, especially given the recent overruling of Roe v. Wade, because the feds collecting data from period tracking apps won't be of much use to states that allow for abortion, but governments of anti-abortion states could use literally, like, period tracking data against women... On a way more individual level. Like, imagine imagine you get a secret abortion and you come back and they're like, mm, Little Miss Pink Flower app actually told me that you have been missing periods for three weeks. Also, imagine, like, you're on CCTV throwing out period products and all of a sudden they don't see that Boom, anymore. caught. You are definitely way more likely to have problems because of local surveillance than federal. Yeah, like how in San Francisco, they just passed that new bill that allows the government access to footage from, like, all commercial CCT cameras and ring cameras, just like any surveillance that is available, anything, uh, even on private property. Anything that happens within the scope of these cameras is now on the table for the government to watch. That's just like so invasive. And not to mention how the push for surveillance technology is making rounds on TikTok, too. There's like a bunch of author- like people, both like authority figures and just common people encouraging each other to equip their homes with like all kinds of ring light, whatever it is, you know. Damn, guess we're never getting that ring light sponsorship. I'm just realizing we're like, they're watching you. Um, money's money, guys. Let's not be it's frugal. It's like, okay, they're watching me. They're watching me, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Wait, now we're giving them free sponsorship. We take it back. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's tons What's going to happen has no oh. official stance on ring lights. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the next section surveillance capitalism Mm. for those of you who don't know this is a term coined by harvard professor shoshana zuboff and it basically alludes to the way that companies capitalize off of surveillance right so in its most basic form it's like when the search engine and social media that you use sell your data to companies so they can advertise to you based on your specific interests one way they do this is by assigning each of us quote unquote ad interests. ad interests yes So basically, Facebook has this huge repository of keywords that correspond to interests, and they can be broad or they can be specific. So they're like concepts, brands, celebrities, hobbies, basically any noun, and they'll associate those words with you based on the kind of content you engage with to like gauge your demographic. If you go into your Instagram settings and then go into the ad tab. So these are directions. So go into the Instagram settings and in the ad tab. You can actually see what words Instagram associates with you when they figure out what your ads are going to be. So of course, we went ahead and made this about ourselves. So we're going to read you some of the terms Zuck has used to categorize us. So mine are 
Cardi B, Kim Kardashian, hip hop fashion, electronic music, Nintendo, MTV, Lil Wayne, nostalgia, black comedy, Fendi, Turkish food, public library, ice cream, philosophy of mind, registered nurses association of Ontario. <laughs> Animal Welfare, Hayao Miyazaki, Creative Ideas, The Real Housewives of New Jersey, Real. Pajamas, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay. Mine are music convenience stores, Boho Chic, Gigi Hadid, Horse Training, <laughs> Halloween, House horse Music, girl. Brand Management. This is so contradictory. L- <laughs> Ludwig Bavon Beethoven. Slay, she's a clean girl or whatever. Ludwig von Beethoven, Rottweiler, <laughs> Pfizer, stand-up paddleboarding, <laughs> drinking so water, you. lead generation, the national <laughs> eligibility and entrance test, a girl's night out, and disco. That's actually kind of you. Like, I think that's more you than mine was me. So is this is this who we are? Is this all we are? I mean, I don't really want to be stand-up paddleboarding and brand management, <laughs> but... Yeah, um, and I don't want to be part of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, but here we are. Assigned Registered Nurse of Ontario by Instagram. <laughs> by Instagram. <laughs> you can actually also contact Apple and ask for a list of all the companies that use your data. Yeah, our friend and sound engineer and producer, Gia. Who's hey, right Gia. Here. Hi. Hi. Um, she also does the music for the show, so just like a little clout clout bath for her. <laughs> I'm coining that term, clout bath. I like that. I'm giving you a clout bath. Um, yeah, but she did, took the liberty of doing that, like contacting Apple, and, and it ended up entailing a super wide range of companies, including Sephora, Pinterest, Crunchyroll, PayPal, Grammarly, Glossier, Redbubble, Depop, and the GOP. <laughs> Which... Topical. <laughs> Topical. Yeah. Um, damn, Grammarly began into everybody's business. Sponsor us for sure, but also, isn't that interesting? Yes. It's just extremely intrusive and expensive. I didn't mean to, like, imply that there was a conspiracy (laughs) involving Grammarly. (laughs) That is what that sounded like, looking (laughs) back. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Say what you said again. I just was saying how intrusive and expensive it is to collect user data like this, and at the end of the day... It's not even that accurate. Like, of course, ads will show up for something you were just talking out loud about because the phone hears the buzzwords. And of course, the ads meant to target us are based in some truth about our interests. But at the end of the day, they still haven't cracked the code to truly degrading our whole personalities to nouns yet. Coming soon. Right. But not yet. Right. I think it's so interesting how the strategy of advertisements used to be to appeal to the most people at once. And now it's about, like, honing in on very specific demographics. Like... The masses in terms of capitalism was a concept pioneered by Henry Ford with the affordable car, with his like creation of it. So he realized it was lucrative to appeal to a working class demographic. And so from that point on, materialism was no longer reserved for the wealthy. But then having identities made up of items was now a possibility for everyone. And I think thus evolved the individualist society that we're seeing now. And like now general ads aren't even enough to maintain relevance. If a company wants to stay on the map, they need to select a group and target their individuality complexes. Exactly. As Shoshana Zuboff says in her book, The Rise Shosh- of Surveillance, the company that ushered this shift the most was Apple. Apple pretty much began all this because mm. when they created iTunes, 
there was a massive shift from pre-Apple to post-Apple society because your iPod right. and your iTunes was your own and you could curate whatever you wanted. And so it started, everything started to become a little more individualized. So instead of the masses, we're talking about the individual consumer, the individual music listener, as opposed to the masses buying CDs. Right, because that's like, and that's a niche that really defines people. A lot of the time aesthetic is based on music. It would make sense that this is like one of the first things that, like received an individualist approach. Definitely, subcultures are all music. Exactly, that's like pretty much everything. And now we're seeing that again with things like Spotify. If you give them permission to track your data, they'll give you a curated playlist based on your most listened to songs. And it's data collection that we like as a society because it makes us feel looped in and it caters to our individuality complexes. I just think that if we're gonna be milked for our info, I'd like to have a hyper curated internet experience tailored towards my interests in return. So we're just buying our own wiretap. Yeah, we're buying our own wiretaps. Alexa, Siri, all the other robot ladies. It might seem like these things are just bizarre and dystopian. Would you fuck Siri? <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I'm simply not answering that question. I would. <laughs> I would. If she was real. You don't know what she would have looked like. I mean, you can customize what her voice sounds like. I'm sure you could customize what the fuck she looked like, too. She's, like, awesome. Like, what if, if she... Okay, what if she's, like, she is, like, a... <laughs> Eventually is in love with Siri. I don't even have it turned on on my phone. But like, if she was like a a lady, she would be hot. <laughs> Not the silence. <laughs> <laughs> Say something. Okay, Siri or Alexa. I you know, Siri or Alexa. Stop. What are you really afraid of? Okay, Siri. Obviously, before there Alexa. you go. Okay, so see, you can see it. You understand. Yes. That's all I had to say. I'm just not, I refuse to add my opinion. You kind of did, though. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep talking, please. If you remember our girl. Our girl. Remember our girl, Shoshana Shoshana, Zuboff. The woman who coined the term surveillance capitalism. Love her. She didn't do anything problematic, right? It's okay, though. I don't know. Don't ask me. (laughs) Don't ask, don't tell. I'm standing her really hard. I just love women, you know? Yeah. Well, she wrote the book that I was talking about, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, where she dissects all of this, all of this stuff, and there's a story that I'm going to read to you from that, from the book. This Mm -hmm. happened. This is an example of the impact that targeted ads can have on people's lives. So in this book, this is the story. Some guy writes on Facebook, I purchased a diamond engagement ring set from Overstock in preparation for a New Year's surprise for my girlfriend. Within hours, I received a shocking call from one of my best friends of surprise and congratulations for getting engaged. Imagine my horror when I learned that Overstock had published the details of my purchase, including a link to the item and its price, on my public Facebook newsfeed, as well as notifications to all of my friends. All of my friends, including my girlfriend, and all of her friends, etc., all of this was without my consent or knowledge. Damn. I am totally distressed that my surprise was ruined and what was meant to be something special and a lifetime memory for my girlfriend and I was destroyed by a totally underhanded and infuriating privacy invasion. I want to wring the neck of the folks at Overstock and Facebook who thought that this was okay. That was a victim of Facebook's <laughs> beacon. <laughs> that was a victim. <laughs> that was a victim. <laughs> that 
was a victim. That, that shit no, sucks. Yeah, like that's, that's an L. Like I would have to throw hands at Mark Zuckerberg personally. That's so violently embarrassing. Like, what if she had said no and all of her <laughs> friends were like DMing her, like, "Hey, girl, I guess did DM exist in 2007? No, no it didn't. Texting. Instagram didn't even exist. Texting, texting. faxing. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Moment. <laughs> I was just saying that Facebook's beacon. The- program that did that is an obvious example of the way that tech people do not understand the way humans interact with each other well i could have told you that about tech guys yeah it's just funny (laughs) they're so focused on profit it's like do they not know or do they not care i mean there's also that anecdote about the sleep number beds which is kind of similar to what you were talking about or it was like an app attached to these beds that tracks sleep and records audio and so like you know the ones that like record you snoring to see if you have sleep apnea or whatever um, and whether or not you maintain a subscription with them, they can still sell the audio and motion tracking data they've collected to third parties. So, like, it, even if you delete the app, like, your snores could be sent to, like, the next guy, <laughs> basically, at the end of the day. Like, people who complained about this were reminded that they had agreed to the terms and conditions, and it was explained according to the same book that you're talking about that when it comes to reading the terms and conditions among the people like who did scroll through the contracts, most went directly to the accept button. You know, the researchers calculated that the documents required at least 45 minutes for adequate comprehension. But those who looked at the agreements, like the median time they spent was 14 seconds, which understandable. Like, why the fuck would you read a terms and conditions like that is boring and annoying, especially for like a sleep monitoring app? Like, who would want that? You wouldn't think. But like, obviously, people do not fucking read, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, like, TikTok is just a government-implemented psyop to shorten people's attention span so they stop reading legal documents. Oh, God, we're going to become that kind of podcast now? I think we've been that kind of podcast. But, yeah, the surveillance surveillance lurks in every conceivable corner. Your Roombas are canon mapping out your floors of your house and selling that information to interested companies. Uber tracks your battery percentage and adjusts the prices of rides based on how desperate you are to get home. And I'm in your walls watching your every move, giving you subtle hints to follow me on Instagram. Me too. (laughs) Google themselves. Google themselves has said people will be viewing our ads on an increasingly wide diversity of devices in the future. A few years from now, we and other companies could be serving ads and other content on refrigerators, cars, Uh, dashboards, car dashboards, thermostats, glasses, and watches. Just to name a few possibilities, end quote. That's so horrible. Like, they're already so pervasive, even without having ads on literally every surface of our homes. Like, they're threatening. Yeah. Like, even when it comes to the content we consume, they've gotten so good at weaving in advertising based on the subject matter itself. Like, those embedded YouTube ads or in other podcasts. I'm sure we'll have. I hope we get embedded ads as well. But, like, because no shade to YouTubers or anybody who does that. Obviously, you're trying to get your coin. We're broke and are not sponsored yet. So, I have more two cents to say about this. If you catch me in a few years doing a Grammarly ad, mine your fucking business because i'm securing the bag and in, in biden's america yes i am so, so we're gonna become that kind of podcast <laughs> yes <now. laughs> i'm just pulling in all the dirtbag left is all that's my job no <laughs> that, can, that can stay your job <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean the, like obviously the youtubers are just trying to get their coin but for instance like the true crime youtubers are often sponsored by surveillance software companies and those companies prey on the fear that true crime stories stir up in their viewers which are predominantly young white women since true crime appeals to their fears more than pretty much any other social group it's also just dangerous for young white women to be fear-mongered in this way because it sets them up to be paranoid and more likely to turn to the police and ring lights and all of that in times of distress even if it's unnecessary and more likely to support and 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 it makes them more likely to support laws 
laws that allow for private room like cameras and like all of these things that like we don't need more paranoid white women in the country at the end of the day surveillance capitalism can be even more pervasive and have a greater effect on the daily lives of average people than government surveillance and that in part is due to the surveillance culture that we've created as a result of all of this so what is surveillance culture for our sweet listeners who might not know? Got you. Surveillance culture is at one time I was in the shower and I looked out the window and two people were fucking on the roof below mine. And so I got out binoculars. Mm, I think that's just regular voyeurism. Right. Surveillance culture would be if I then posted it to TikTok with the caption, who's man's? There you go. Right. Well, people make those kind of TikToks kind of. I mean, like those TikToks that are like, if your man has a rose tattoo on his neck and was riding the NJ Transit to Trenton, he's cheating on you with a girl named Alyssa. And I saw it on his phone. And I've seen those videos with comments being like, this reached South Korea. I hope you find her. It's like we've developed this entitlement to information about each other because we're exposed to so much content that everyone online feels like they exist as just a window to be looked into. Like people will post a video memorial for their child and 90% of the comments are story time. Beyond that, people will literally post their whole life story. Yeah, exactly. The most controversial and intense material get the most likes of this attention economy we've built. Attention economy. That's attention. Like, did you make that up? No. Oh, okay. That would be cool, though. Who did? Do you know? No idea. Okay. But I, it just, like, was one of those words that I just started hearing, and I was like... Attention. No, I like it. I just economy. like to give credit to if we use people's stuff. When we well, if out. you coined it, let us know. We'll give you a free <laughs> What's Gonna Happen sticker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) only for for people who make definitions that we end up using okay but yeah it's true that people exploit themselves to rise to the top of the algorithm and that just sets a precedent for people to expect that if you're willing to post a video at all you must be willing to give everyone all the information that we want about it i mean honestly i've been wondering how those kids died like if you're gonna post about it it kind of all started with story time videos on youtube and just like People realized how lucrative being an internet personality was. Yeah, like once we found out that we could commodify ourselves, every aspect of our lives becomes a business endeavor. Like every embarrassing moment, any medical issue or incident of drama, or it all it all turns into open territory to the point where people stop thinking about the other people involved in these stories as their own entities and just think of them as characters. Like, I get it. Being dissociative in general just, like, makes it easier to do that on a regular basis, let alone when you have a screen in front of you. Like, your kid with leukemia isn't just your sick kid. He's also the star of your channel. And the people watching aren't morbidly fascinated freaks. They're just your audience. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is when I think of this type of thing. What? Who? (laughs) Nick Ocado Avocado. The greatest performance artist of the 21st century. Is he, though? Yes, and he's exploiting his fetish for views, raking yeah. in supporters, raking in supporters, kinksters, and hate watchers. Nikocado mm-hmm. Avocado got the last laugh. Did he, though? Yes. But did he, yes, though? Yes, because he also has a degradation and a humiliation fetish. So every time you hate on him for eating on the internet, he comes. Oh, <laughs> God. Imagine, yes. the, imagine the smell. <laughs> Don't even say that. <laughs> I wonder what's in the Kakado's jar. <laughs> yeah, let me talk too damn much. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's other examples of people who do that that aren't as maybe repulsive, maybe Trisha Paytas. Okay. Gabby so. Hannah. Right, yes. Publicized her mental breakdown. Yeah, Gabby Hanna, this, like, whole thing that she's on is, like, history in the making, I think. Like, it's the first week-long, fully documented, first-person perspective, public manic meltdown episode by a public figure posted in real time. And 
it also like included it was interactive like it included the involvement of fans who are literally showing up at her house to f further the plot as if they're characters like i bet by 2025 there's going to be an a24 adaptation of this whole incident and and i'm gonna watch it <laughs> write that down write that down <laughs> i do just want to say that chris chan did it first chris chan did it first right. every i mean her the chris chan's people i'm not even gonna call them fans came to her house yeah yeah but gabby hannah did the influencer version you're saying chris chan wasn't an influencer <laughs> that's kind of prejudice to me you're right i'm like i don't know if you've seen this trend where people refer to the other people in their lives as like npcs or for those of you who don't know it's video game terms it means non-playable characters so like the extras in the movies of your life but it kind of feels like with this growing main character complex that everybody has as a result of our desperate need to individualize on the internet it's making us view other people as like nothing more than entertainment like everyone is just degraded to their most exploitable feature to further our life plots it's definitely a vicious cycle because corporations play into our need for hyper individualization <coughs> and that makes our main character sorry <laughs> sorry <coughs> okay are you trying to suggest <clears throat> that I have that problem? What? Are you trying to suggest that no, I have that problem? No, I have phlegm in my throat because <laughs> I have like, COVID. <clears throat> like, <laughs> <laughs> some people. Yeah, you have a main character <laughs> complex. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it destroys our ability to see others as whole beings. Like, even just people recording. Have you seen when people will just record attractive strangers on the train or the bus or any public space and just be like, like, like post it online and be like, Twitter, do your thing. Like, find me this person. They're so hot or whatever. Like, you never know if that person actually wanted to be the love interest to your weird misconnections fantasy meet cute thing or if they don't give a fuck about who you are and they think you're ugly. Like, like just go talk to them if you want to shoot your shot. Like, it's weird to take a picture of someone who's sitting across from you and then, like, post it online, infringe their privacy, and make other people do it for you. Like, why are you turning to Twitter stands to track down the IP address of your fleeting crush? Like, being fucking normal. Or that Reddit thread live cam of open security cameras, which has since been banned <laughs> because they would link people's private cameras that weren't protected by a firewall. Yeah, like, bro, what the fuck? People would deadass look into people's home securities for fun. <laughs> and like, and then they want to get mad about the government watching us. Bro, you are big brother. Like, <laughs> we, we even do it on some level. Like, I will admit, like, yes, it's fun to be nosy. I want to know the story times. We're always zillowing people's houses to see how much rent they pay. Looking at them by last name to see how much money they make. All right, I don't do that one, but... <laughs> right. Right. You don't look at people's voting records. Holy shit. Do you, you do They're that? They're public. You do that too, Jan? Yeah. Damn, y'all are looking at everybody's voting records. <laughs> That's actually really interesting. Yeah. They're public? Voting records are public. See, this is surveillance culture right now. Look how excited <laughs> you are to look at people's know who voting voted. records. I feel like I know who everyone voted for that I know, though. I can just tell by what kind of shoes they wear. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. Well, that's something. <laughs> the sil the well. silence was me getting on my computer to look up everybody's voting records. <laughs> that's like something that we do as like friends together we're not publishing people's rent calling them out for their wealth or anything that's kind of where the line is okay there's a line raincore on tiktok made a great video about it where she stitches this post someone made of two strangers making out on a train platform and the person who posted it was making fun of their pda and raincore was basically like this could have been sent to the group chat, but right. instead you're posting these people's I see. They, like, private-ish moment for millions to see. 
Yeah, like we used to be able to privately make fun of strangers without making it literally everyone's business. It's the social and social media, too, that does this. We have come to a point where we treat social media like a big group chat. Guys, guess what? Now applies not only to your three best friends, but also your 10,000 followers. Yeah, it's like we've forgotten how to process things without the validation of thousands of strangers. Like, it's not enough to get a reaction out of the people you know. That little hit of dopamine that you get from spilling a secret or whatever is increased tenfold when you're spilling it to so many people. And it doesn't matter whose secret it is. The problem with that is that it degrades your integrity. So you'll feel better about yourself like in general if you're someone who can hold something for yourself and someone else without sensationalizing it for short-term gratification. But I think that's why a lot of influencers and internet personalities like always talk about feeling so empty all the time because they're living in this like mode of hunting and gathering for their fans who are building up a tolerance like all of us are always building up a tolerance to internet information and like require more and more insane stories and so when you're an influencer or somebody whose job is to bring those stories to people you're not experiencing life firsthand anymore they're becoming the directors and actors in their own lives and when you do that everything stops feeling sacred I like what you said about building up a tolerance I'm taking a tea break from intense online content and just watching 2010s Jenna Marbles Yes, 2010's Jenna Marbles, that and a blunt. So true. <laughs> also, it's worth mentioning that both cringe cults, cult, cr- cringe culture, both cringe, cringe, that was so cringe. That was cringe. <laughs> well, cringe culture and cancel culture, they all fall under the umbrella of surveillance culture. That's they both exist on the spectrum of people looking into your life and deciding your fate based on what they see. It's just the difference is usually are you going to be memefied for a week or are you going to lose your job? Mm. In some cases, it's both, like the West Elm Caleb <laughs> cultural phenomenon. <laughs> is that what we're. Yeah. That's the definition of cancel culture. <laughs> okay, but he was just some douchebag ghosting girls or whatever, and then he was exposed for being a douchebag and his whole world fell apart. I mean, okay, to be fair with this case, I and I totally disagree. i totally disagree with companies using the meme about him to sell their products and i think it went too far for sure but at the same time and look this might be controversial i do think if you're that much of a dick that you gaslight manipulate ghost and send unsolicited nudes to enough girls that they make a multi-level collective narrative about you online they were story building maybe maybe you do deserve to be fired you know the company didn't fire him for being a dick they fired him because he made so much of a dick of himself that they didn't want to be associated with him you do make a compelling point, but I want to say, like, I think it's a slippery slope. He didn't pop, like, <laughs> You're pro West. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying that it, it, you make a compelling point. It could be a slippery slope. He didn't post this stuff publicly, and so his job shouldn't be able to judge what he does in private. It's one thing if he was, like, putting dick pics on Instagram or sending them to someone he worked with, but it's like, at what point does your job get to criticize what you do in your personal space? I see where you're coming from, but I think the point is that enough people were pissed at him that he was obviously not an upstanding person. And so I think it's the girl's right to call him out publicly. And if they wanted to share their stories about, like, like if people who were victims of gaslighting and manipulation, then they should be allowed that platform to help protect other girls from going through it as well. And it's obvious without them speaking up, many girls were falling for the same trap. He got, like, a billion hoes. But it's just, like, where do you draw the line? 
What if hundreds of people complained about something minor that you did that's not even as shitty as what he did, and the company you worked for let you go because it would be easier for them to fire you than to extend themselves towards understanding your side? Hey, I mean, I don't think that a mass campaign would be conducted across social media against someone if they hadn't done something, like, super questionable. But the definition of what's questionable changes with time and person. It's all subjective. If we allow that kind of authority to be taken as a result of someone's privacy being infringed upon, then today it might be used against an emotional abuser, but tomorrow it might be used against someone mm-hmm. whose values align with yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but things are more complicated than that, though. Like, we can't make one rule, like, every time someone is canceled for anything online, they should lose their jobs. It's all dependent on the situation. Like, in this case, I think it's understandable that he'd lose his job. He was doing harm to people, and so he was punished for it. And that's not always the case for why people are canceled, and so each instance needs to be considered for, like, what it is. I agree that cancel culture should be handled on a case-by-case basis, and I do think actions have consequences. Sometimes it's beneficial to share your story. Sometimes you got to keep things to yourself, though. Even someone cheating or whatever should have a right to privacy. What's going to happen? The Cheaters Rights Activist Podcast. I never said that. Okay, you did. You did. You did. You can move on, but we all know that... <clears throat> okay, Maury. Maury? Maury? <laughs> Maury? Who am I thinking of? Maury? Maury? Maury. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you? Yeah, Maury Povich. Yeah. Povich? Yeah. We're name dropping. <laughs> what is that? Is that like Polish? It sounds very Polish. Yeah. Is e- Maury any- Somebody Polish. tell us what ethnicity Let's Maury Povich Let's profile <laughs> Maury. Even though it's grayer on a social level, I think the question of should or shouldn't we use surveillance on a government level is pretty black and white. You have to be against surveillance for everybody or it's going to trickle down to the average person. Yeah, but it's hard to choose a side, though, because on one hand, surveillance footage has been used to solve like seven out of 10 murders in the past few decades, you know, and like the Boston Marathon bomber was caught due to surveillance footage. And it's, it's just like a useful tool in general because it's more objective than like an eyewitness testimony. You know, video footage is way more likely to produce an accurate portrait of an event, but also videos caught at weird angles or unintelligible in various ways. Like, you know, it's by no means a perfect way of maintaining order. And plus the feeling of constantly being watched by literal cameras or by the ever evolving tab of buzzwords that are being collected on us creates this horrible sense of claustrophobia and anxiety in people everywhere. Like not just our generation or whatever. It's not just Gen Z or digital natives that are affected by this. Every person is affected by the surveillance state surveillance culture or surveillance capitalism and facial recognition software is racist so at the end of the day like it's better at recognizing white people because of sample sizes of white people are bigger in all of their training so it can lead to wrongful convictions like it's not just a small scale like right. you know first world problem thing like it can really fuck up a person's life and it has yeah i think that your stance on surveillance really depends on what you value Mm -hmm. i'm anti-surveillance personally it's super invasive i don't think the ends justify the means to accept surveillance you have to accept that you'll be the one in the cctv hot seat one day yeah i mean i think overindulgence in the idea that security footage is the end-all be-all to collect evidence it can lead to a naive trust in the intentions of the government that are actually pushing for easier access to spying on everyone under the guise of protection But I do think surveillance technology is helpful in a lot of cases. I think surveillance can be useful, but that doesn't mean it's moral necessarily, and it definitely needs to be regulated. It's scary, though, because the technology is improving more rapidly than we're having these conversations. Like, with the whole autonomous weapons program thing, 
for those of you who don't know, it's like, remember the police dogs that they've been using? Boston Dynamics. Right. Autonomous weapon programs are like those if they were AI machine learning and had guns attached to them. So killer robots. Yes. Killer robot army that use recognition software. Like, that can't not be biased in some direction or another. And I'm pretty sure we can all infer which direction police tend to be biased in. Racist killer robots. Right. They're supposedly not in trade because of informal agreements not to pursue them, but there was one recently spotted in Ukraine. And Russia, Israel, and Germany, and South Korea actually have this technology. And in Switzerland, which is, like, random as fuck, but... Switzerland's not random. There's one group of people I don't trust, and I'm saying this very publicly. It's the Swiss. I don't trust Switzerland. What do they have in their bank? What is in the Swiss bank? What's in your wallet? The Swiss bank is the global capital of shady money stuff. Interesting. Yeah, no. I've never thought more than five minutes about Switzerland. Nazi gold and interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're planning on uplifting the ban on this technology. And honestly, we in America probably have a bunch of these. Northrop Grunman is the main company that um, develops this kind of tech, and they're an American company. Basically, government surveillance is simultaneously more and less extensive than people think. Mm-hmm. Surveillance capitalism is more invasive than you think. And surveillance culture is the result and perpetrator of all of it at the same time. But we can make an effort to maintain our integrity online and put less value on our exploitation of self and others. It's hard, though. I mean, I love giving in. Personally, I've found comfort in just accepting that we live in this world. And maybe that's pessimistic. But, like, bitches will have tape over their laptop cameras and post whole pics on Twitter. That's life. So, like, having a false sense of control over our holes. I do want to say about that, though. <laughs> no, I want to say something about that. Because it's like, why do you bring an umbrella outside when it rains but sit in bathtubs full of water? It's about consent. If you're posting your whole pics on Twitter, you're the one deciding to put your hole on Twitter. But people don't get to consent to having the government watch them through their laptop cameras. You, We literally do, though. It's terms and conditions. We, we just don't read it. Okay, fair. Like, <laughs> and, but, like, yeah, we shouldn't have to, you know? But, like, if we want to use the cool stuff... We got to let them see in our butts a little bit, you know? Do we have to accept it? No, I mean, we can do things. We can do things. I think the most important things are to pursue stronger in-person ties with your community so you're not constantly paranoid of each other and strengthening your self-connection too, like morally, spiritually, how you present your identity so that you're not as anxious about how you're perceived by people who don't know you. Just like like touching grass and touching grass with friends and touching grass with neighbors, basically. Like things feel way more daunting if they exist in the online vacuum. Be friends with your neighbors and people in real life. And mind your fucking business. Mind your business, bro. It feels so good to mind your business. Do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I boots. And thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at what's gonna happen pod, and our personal accounts are linked in the bio. And from the inside of a closet at West Elm Modern Furniture, this is Ben. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 